I am a few weeks away from heading to Europe. Now, astute listeners of the show may recall earlier this year when I also went to Europe. I did a whole episode about my travels. It was a month-long sabbatical, 10 cities in four weeks. Ho oh, ho! That was intense, but I loved it. And once you scratch an itch, you cannot stop. And that's why Calamine Lotion is such a fantastic product. When I travel overseas, I fully expect to have situations where I don't entirely know what's going on. That happened last trip, where I just had to roll with whatever was happening. That's one of the best things about travel, is embracing cultures and customs outside of your comfort zone. And while my trip isn't taking me to Paris, today's guest knows the ins and outs of that city and plenty of others around the world. Erin Jerkin has lived in six places abroad, and she's the author of Plus Size in Paris, a fish-out-of-water story based on her own experiences living in the city of love. We're talking about Erin's inner journey in writing her first novel, some of her favorite slang, and where she thinks America can step up its game. I'm Joey Held, this is Good People, Cool Things, and here's my conversation with Erin Jerkin. Can you give us your name? And your elevator pitch, but also the type of elevator that we're riding on. <laughs> uh, my name is Erin Shirkin, and I'm a expat writer. And so I write stories that involve cross-cultural kind of um, experiences and that resonate with people um, all over the world, actually. Human stories. And I like in your author bio, you say that you were climbing the corporate ladder before the expat life came calling. So what yeah. did the expat life say? <laughs> well, it was, uh, it came calling in the form of my husband's job. Um, and so he had an opportunity to go overseas and work um, pretty much out of the U.S. for a number of years. And so we jumped on it and took it and we've been doing it for the past 16 years. So I've lived in six different countries since then. And you said jumped on it. So that sounds like it wasn't much of a discussion. You were like, let's do it. No, I mean, I've lived, I've been overseas before, uh, but not like, not with a family. It was when I was without kids at that time. So it was a little easier. So obviously with kids, it's a little bit more of a, you got to either dive in and do it or don't do it because it's just going to, it's pretty crazy with, with kids. You have to be careful and <laughs> decisions are a little different than if you're just single and, or just a couple without kids, you know, you can't make random decisions yeah. anymore. So yeah, it's a little, <laughs> little more difficult. Yeah. <laughs> Now, I'm a big travel fan as well. Uh, mm-hmm. I have not lived out of the United States for years at a time, but um, I've done some some extensive traveling. And I think the, I don't know if this qualifies as as the expat life, but maybe in a little bit, just the the interactions you have with folks who haven't been to America before and like have no real frame of reference for the United States other than maybe what they're seeing on right. social media or on the news. I remember when I studied abroad in China, we went to a... Chinese uh, high school Mm -hmm. and they were trying to ask us what movie best represented American high school life and I think what we ended up coming up with was American Pie which is wildly inaccurate like that's not (laughs) but we were like we we can't I mean this was you know thankfully there's been some better writing since then Um, this was like the I guess the late to mid mid to late 2000s so you know, we've got we've got better quality TV and movies, I think, for the uh, the high school experience since then. But what's a like? Have you? I'm I'm sure you've come across a lot of these sort of like fish out of water stories. So what what's one or two that that stand out and were kind of funny to to come across? 
Oh my gosh, there's so many. Let's see. Um, well, I mean, my whole book is about that, honestly, that I've written. So, you know, I wrote uh, the book Plus Size in Paris, and it is very much the fish out of water theme. And it's, you know, about a young woman going to Paris, and she's an influencer. Although she wasn't always an influencer when I was developing the character, which is funny, it kind of ties back around to what you're saying about what people think of the U.S. overseas, because I actually had her... Um, I started writing this back in like 2016, 2017, and I actually had her being a um, one of those people that was going to leave America because Trump was elected. They're like, I'm out of here. I'm done. I'm going. I'm leaving, you know. And so I thought, well, I'll make her be kind of like, a, I don't know, a civil servant or in the government or state department or something. And then she leaves, you know, the States and goes to Paris for her dream trip. But then it, it kind of evolved into, I didn't want to get political in my book. I wanted my book just to be fun and you know, lighthearted, but also be able to dip down where it needed to type thing. So, um, so I was, so yeah, that living in Paris during that time, um, you know, that, that felt very much a fish out of water for me because it was just, every time I got in a taxi, I was, you know, asked about, you know, why we elected someone like that. Why we, you know, why would the States do that? Why would, you know, be so stupid? I mean, it was like, you're so stupid, you know, (laughs) you know, your whole, your whole country is so stupid, you know, not to be, I'm not trying to do their accent, but it was just, to me, it came across, like, I, I found, I found it, I loved it, because I thought it was very real and very honest and things, and I thought, well, no, they're right, like, <laughs> that's my opinion anyway, you know, um, but it was funny, because um, that, that started to be like, okay, well, I started to really understand that you really do have to have a um open mind and open heart about your own culture when you're living somewhere else outside of it because you know you're not you don't see your cultural um objectively because you're coming from it it's it's what you're rooted in you know it doesn't matter if you're i've been outside the states now for 16 years but i still i still will go back every summer with my kids and i'll kind of go back to some rooted things that we you know that i would do and growing up there and things but i don't see it the same way anymore I mean, it's just, it's a whole different um, place for me now when I go back there. So, um, and some of the things that we do, I find to be kind of, you know, we need to catch up. We're kind of behind on things, you know? So, um, but, so it's kind of a fish out of water myself in my own culture when I go home in the summer, and then it's a fish out of water in the culture that I'm living. So it's a very strange space sometimes to exist in. You know, for example, my kids, I have three girls, three daughters, and they've never lived in the United States. They have an American passport. You know, and my older daughter is going to be heading to college next year, and she'll probably be in the U.S. going to college. But it'll be a completely different experience for her because she has not lived there, you know. So for her, it'll be probably like just another location, you know, a different location that she's going home to. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's, it's, it's very interesting. It's very strange experience to be living you know it's very interesting interesting strange kind of weird you know (laughs) to exist in that all of the above yeah definitely yeah 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 i i that's funny about trump that you would get asked that because that was my experience as well uh the last time i had traveled abroad which was i 2018 i guess so it was like you know right in the heart of things and this this past time people would ask where i was from and i'd say united states and then when they drilled down and said, where? I'd say Texas. And it was like right oh, in the middle no, of multiple the mass shootings. And <laughs> oh, that's yeah, the worst. this just I know. I know. all, it, it was like the worst time of the, the worst yeah. too. Like it was just, yeah. everything was just yeah. exemplified. And so they'd be like, 
like you could even see they'd be like oh oh no i know (laughs) i know sorry and i'm like no there's good parts within here there's just certain people and texas is very big (laughs) yes yes you know lots of people in there yeah i was actually born in texas I was born in Houston. Oh, I didn't live there very long, so I don't really call myself a. Te- I was there for like four <laughs> or five years. But there were, but I had some. I had. I knew someone that we lived in Dublin, in Ireland, and they came from Austin to live to live in in Dublin. And they would always say, "Yeah, we're from Texas, but but we're not." You know, they would kind of paraphrase it, like you know, we're from there, but but you know. And I was like, "Oh, geez, okay, it is really." really gets down in there you know that's the clarification i try to make too i say austin texas and then some people know austin no, um, and i cool. really just started saying that because i i would say austin without the texas and people would think i was saying boston <laughs> and i was just, no i don't i can't do the accent i i mean boston's yeah. lovely but yeah not not where i'm from not where i'm from gotcha. what is something because you i i kind of felt the same way after this last trip of like hey the U.S. can can step up its game in a few ways. I'd say for me, one of the more notable things was the metric system, uh, which I, oh, yeah. at growing up, I was like, this is stupid. Why the metric system? I don't need to learn that. And then I'm like, wait, it makes way more sense. Like I like these more easily divisible numbers mm-hmm. and everything like that. So what's something now that you've lived abroad where you're like, hey, America, let's do a little self-critique here and and get better about this? I think the the top one for me is the is the the lack of support for people to take time off. Like I mean, you know, especially like in Europe, we lived in France obviously and you know, we basically have, have incorporated the tradition in France that all of August is kind of a holiday time. It's kind of a, a summertime break. Um, not all of it, but the majority of people, it's like a tradition. They just know August is like, we travel, we go for summer, we it's a break. And there's like three or four weeks of that, you know? Um, and it's, and it's a great thing to put into your life. I mean, you just know that time of the year, we're on a break, we're on a holiday, the family's like laptops are down. I mean, it's such a great thing to have, you know? And I mean, the U.S. is like so bad about time off, you know, and just giving people time to have a break and take a break. And, um, and then obviously the, again, being a, you know, a woman and a, a mother, I mean, the, the lack of support when you're going through maternity leave, um, you know, there's just no support that that's given on the government level at all. I mean, they're, they're trying to, and I applaud them and I'm excited to see that happen and everything, but it seems like it's like a start and then it goes back. It starts and it goes, you know, it's like, it's not a consistent thing. Whereas again, in other countries in the world, there's just a set time. You, you know, we live in Ireland. I think one of my husband's employees, she gave birth and she had a year and a half to determine, oh, wow. you know, I think, I think it was like nine months. A cert- don't quote me on this. No one like write in, but I'm not, but you know, <laughs> I just know that, I just know that it was, I'll put it this way. I just know that she got what she needed, you know, to, to be a good mother to her newborn child and to go back to work feeling like that she was able to do that in a way that was healthy for her, you know? And so, and that was given to her by law and by, you know, the organization because they have to do that. So we are way behind on that. And that, that needs to change big time because that's going to, I mean, that impacts everything all the way down, you know? So as far as like, if the parent's happy, the child's happy, you know, everyone's going to be thriving and, you know, so yeah, I'm really, I'm kind of, I do get frustrated with that when I hear it, when I have friends in the States who are giving birth and they're like, oh, I'm only off for like eight weeks. I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, <laughs> you know, and that's all I had. I only, I had, I had to negotiate when I was working, I had to negotiate um, 10 weeks from my older one you know, when I was still working in the States. And so, and that wasn't enough time. 
it just wasn't enough time. It was nothing, nothing, you know? So no, we definitely need to start looking at other practices in the world to see what we can do there. Definitely. Yeah. I think, I think the, um, as an August birthday, I, I've always oh, thought that taking August off is just the best. I know. Idea. I feel it like, is. yes, let's adopt that everywhere. I'm oh, totally. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> definitely. So since you've traveled and, and lived in a lot of different places, do you mm-hmm. have like a, a, I don't know if it's a secret or like a, a tip or something that more travelers should know about? I'll give the very basic example that I, I'll tell people about TSA PreCheck like every chance I get. And there's still <laughs> a lot of people who don't seem to know, like they, they're like, I've never even heard of that. And I'm just mm-hmm. like, oh, it's probably the best travel investment I've ever made like it's just so it's so nice to walk I mean at the Austin airport it's like two minutes to get through security and it's mostly me fumbling with my ID to show them and that's that's the bulk of it so have you you know is there like a hidden gem somewhere or something where you're just like hey more people should know about this or conversely is there something that you don't want more people to know about (laughs) and uh you you don't have to answer this question (laughs) I'll put it more to like a how to enjoy your trip more, put it that way, like how to enjoy the travel. And, I, and I'm going to put it from the perspective of Americans traveling overseas. I'll put it that way. Um, and I think that it's just like close the comparison of how it compares to the American culture and the American way of life and the American way of doing things. Just close the door on that when you get on the plane. Just go, I'm going on the plane. I'm flying to somewhere else. I'm going to completely immerse myself in it. Even if it's just for a week, it doesn't matter. I'm going to immerse myself in it. I'm going to look at things and decide, I'm going to choose to decide to look at things and say, huh, that's interesting. Like, I wonder, I wonder if I think about it that way, how that would stretch me to grow, you know, or uh, help me to find a new way of doing things. Or maybe it just, maybe it's different, but doesn't mean it's bad. You know, um, it, it, this is a little quirky, but maybe that's kind of fun, you know? So it just, that's what, I mean, I think that's a big thing is that there's this automatic wanting to compare what the U S does versus where you land, you know, and just, just close that and just kind of go over there and be like, you know what? I am not going to have my American hat on. I'm going to go over there and just enjoy what I see. And I'm going to learn from this. I'm going to ask questions. I'm going to be curious. Like curious is a really big one. Like just be curious, like ask your tour guide questions, you know, like be like, where did you grow up? Did you grow up far from here? Or, you know, just like, just really get in there and really try to be a part of something that is new and fresh and exciting and different. And even if you've gone to Paris 10 times, there's always something to see in Paris that's new, you know, just to give Paris an example, you know, so that's kind of what, where I go, I think it's because I've just been doing this for so long. So I'm kind of past the travel tips. You know what I mean? Like, I don't, yeah. that's not, <laughs> that's not, not that I'm not being, I just, it's not something that I, we just, we haven't done, we've done it so much that it's just routine now. So I, mm-hmm. I, I'm more into that space of like, okay, what can I like learn from this now? I and mean, it's very, you know, how can people learn from it rather than just what carry on to take, you know? So. Yes. Yes. I, I agree. I think one of the those, things those that, are important. Those are important. I don't want to like you know be rude. That's, that's very important stuff. But I just feel like that we're at this time in the world that if we can kind of all individually go and do and approach those things like that, it will make a big difference in how we you know relate and communicate with each other 
across cultures. One thing that struck me that I, I don't think is as common in America is just the abundance of statues and just like random artwork that's oh, yeah. kind of around these cities. Yeah. And it's it's so, yeah, it's you can go and like learn about it or even just ask someone nearby, hey, like, what's the story of this? And I think that's just, that is like just such a like gateway to, to that creative and creative thinking and yeah. like having an open mind towards things. So I highly encourage uh, right. anyone to, to do that as well. If you're listening to this podcast, you probably know that it's called Good People, Cool Things. And that means I have a soft spot for other podcasts that are covering cool things or perhaps cool stuff. In this case, there's a new podcast for the oddballs, weirdos, and iconoclasts who transcend all categorization. It's called Misfits Making It, Oddballs Doing Cool Stuff. See, there's that cool. With a penchant for irreverently heartwarming humor, comedian Lauren Loduduce thoughtfully interviews fellow misfits. You'll meet creatives from SNL, Netflix, Late Night, Comedy Central, The New Yorker, Vanity Fair, and a whole lot more. Lauren also chats with indie musicians, comedians, writers, artists, and entrepreneurs. She's got a whole gaggle of folks just like this show. What all those guests have in common, they're oddballs, they're doing cool stuff. You can listen to Misfits Making It, Oddballs Doing Cool Stuff, wherever you're listening to this podcast. And wouldn't you know it, we're getting back to the show right now. And a question I always like to ask is a question you wish you were asked more frequently. And you talked about how you incorporated some of your experiences into, or I guess a lot of your experiences really into this book. And Mm -hmm. you wish you were asked more frequently about the inner journey of writing that first book. And I think uh, that's a, a very good question that I probably wouldn't have thought to ask. So what was the inner journey like for you? What happened on this adventure of writing? Your first book. Well, well, I had to, again, I had to do what I just talked about, which is that I had to put my self, that American self somewhere else when I was writing this book, because I, I mean, I did and I didn't, let me put it this way, because I was writing a character that was coming straight up from America. So I had to still kind of be able to write from a place that resonates from that experience of coming from the States and going somewhere else and having to be like, okay, this is the one I thought it was, you know, kind of thing. So I wrote from that place. But then I also, um, writing the book itself was, um, wow. I mean, this is like going to be an hour and a half. (laughs) Um, so I started, I started writing the book. Um, so from the time it was published in May, it was a seven year journey. Okay, so I started, I got the idea for the book. Um, this is all in my acknowledgments of the book. I put I put the little story of how it came to be. Because there were so many people that helped me and supported me along the way of those seven years. I wanted to make sure they were, you know, given that appropriate gratitude. Um, and I add the story of how I came up with the book there. And, you know, it's seven years. So that was like the time I got the idea there in Bois de Boulogne in Paris to publishing it in May, seven years. You know, that's like a really long time, you know, to be doing one project and to be um, writing and rewriting and um, deciding, you know, what you can throw away, what you can't and what you want to throw away, what you can't. And then you go to the level of, you know, you're sending it out to agents to get a literary agent. And, you know, that took a year and I did get my literary agent after a year. And then I worked with her for a year. And then I decided to 
you know, amicably split from the literary agent because we didn't align with how the story needed to be, you know? And um, so it's a lot of being very true to yourself and how you want your art to go out into the world. And if you're not in tune with that in a very strong way, then you will get thrown around all over the place. I mean, I did that for a while and it was really, it's really hard. It's really painful. It breaks your creative spirit. You know, it's, it's, there's a whole, there's a whole layer of that that happens too sometimes. Um, so it's really important to kind of have your, your, um, your inner self really the source of, you know, where you're going with it. And um, I just, I just, I just felt like that with every kind of step that it took, um, I was getting more and more stretched, more and more pulled, more. I like that, like, like that Incredibles mom. What is her plaz lady? <laughs> you know, the, like, I just felt like with this book, I was like just pulled and tugged everywhere and in all directions and of what you're supposed to do, what you're not supposed to do, what you're, you know, it's just that kind of thing. And so the, the journey was getting in touch with my inner voice on that, getting in touch with my inner self and saying, I'm going to listen to that. And if I make a mistake, so what? It's messy. Life is messy. Art is messy. The best art is messy, right? I mean, that's, we love stories that have a messiness side to them. And so I, I just think that we need to remember that when we're doing these things that, you know, messy's okay. <laughs> if you lose your way and get back on it, it's still there. Not a big deal. Um, and there are a lot of things you can do yourself without having to have gatekeepers. Uh, and you know keep you from doing it so yeah so that was important and then also you know they wanted to the the book it's that a lot of the voices i was hearing um were that they wanted to be more like emily in paris the show and i was like you know what this book was be, was around was already being written and developed before she ever had the screens and so i don't not that i don't like that show it's just that it's not the same story at all you know and so that was also quite frustrating to be compared constantly to this this show um and i was like but that's not what the story is it, it can't be the same story because it's a totally different experience of paris you know it's um and i was a little more real in my writing about paris because i lived there so i was able to kind of go to those places that um maybe someone that didn't live there in that experience and in the body that i have would have had you know would have had so um yeah so it's, it's about it's about really learning the lesson of staying true to yourself that's what it was um, through a lot of winding ways, a lot of pulling, tugging and everything, but you have to stay true to yourself. Definitely. Yeah. I like that. I, I'm shocked to learn that Emily and Paris might have some inaccuracies when it comes to uh, <laughs> accurately identifying. Are you being facetious or are you being... <laughs> okay. I am. I am. I'm, like, I'm like, whoa, wait a minute. <laughs> I didn't yes, yes. Like, for the folks, for the folks listening, I should... <laughs> I should clarify. Yes, um, that was a, that was a facetious yeah. comment. <laughs> yeah, and again, I I, th I think that show served its purpose. Though we were all locked down, we were all in our apartments watching stuff, and that show was a perfect antidote. For, I mean, that was perfect to be get that shot in the arm for thirty minutes of being in this beautiful city that we all love and revere, and cute clothes walking. I mean, it was just like this. It was great. It was great for that you know it really was it's just it's just that's not what my story is you know so i had to be like no sorry i'm not gonna go that route you know but yeah yeah i think that's i think that's a good a good reminder to stay true to yourself like that because <laughs> like you said it very easily i people always love to compare 
to other things from from a you know sellable marketing perspective or just as like a hey i need a a comparison to like help pitch this and i think that's that's a, a great way to to fall into something that maybe isn't true to yourself so I like it. Well, and that's a that's a good point that you made there about comparison because you know when you're actually preparing a query letter to send out to agents, you have to put in. I don't know if you've ever done this before, but you have to put in comps in your letter. Like mm-hmm. you have to put in the comparison books that it falls into. That's where where it fall where it would be on the shelf. They say when you walk into Barnes and Noble, you know where would your book be? So I had a hard time finding the books for comps because it was like there wasn't really a book about a plus size woman or you know young woman in Paris and her having a more real tale of Paris there. You know, it was kind of a different, Paris was all like romance. And not that there's not romance in mine too, but it was like really romance, really like, oh, you know, typical stuff. And I was like, no, this is a little different. So that was, it was hard. It was hard to find that spot, you know, that I had to find for to fit in that kind of lane that they wanted. You know, it's challenging. Yeah, and you can't just say front and and center with its own display uh, when they ask where yeah. where on the shelf it's going. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you know, and then you say, "Oh, well, mine's unique." I'm like, "Oh, like I haven't heard that before." You know, yeah. <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> it's like, I'm like, "Okay, true point," but you know, it's like, it's like when I briefly hosted karaoke and people would sing a song like "Don't Stop Believing," and I was like, "That's the first time it's ever been performed here," and they were always like, "Really?" <laughs> I said, "No." <laughs> Someone sing it earlier tonight. It's very overdone. It's great. That's funny. Yeah. All right, Aaron, you're almost off the hook here, but we always like to wrap up with a top three. And we've been talking about it. You've lived in six countries, a lot of different places. So where are your top three spots that you've lived in? Well, I'm going to reserve the right to say I'm not going to include Korea or Seoul in that yet, just because I've only been here one year. And um I still, I still feel like I need, I need to get acclimated a little bit more here. This is our first Asia location. We've always been in Europe. So um, this has been a, a whole different ball game for us as a family too, to kind of assimilate and acclimate to and things. But, but um, so I'll say the previous five, the top three, um, probably Ireland was fantastic. Um, I am going to say France. France was great. It gave me the gift of my, book and the creativity and the experiences there that I could draw from. So I'm very grateful to France a lot. Um, And then um, probably the UK. I just loved it. We lived in the northern part. So we had those like picturesque hills and green fields and quaint houses and, you know, tea times. And I mean, it was just storybook. So yeah, it has a really special part for me. I do have to ask too, as a, a big fan of Dairy Girls, a if you've oh, seen the show from okay, okay, okay. And do you have a favorite piece of Irish slang? Because I always, I always was partial to catch yourself on. I thought that was a great way to kind of say like, get out of here. But <laughs> do you have one as well? I think we can all learn more Irish slang and and be more fulfilled in life. Where's the crack? Where's the crack? <laughs> I just love it. It's like so because when I first heard, it, I was like what the frick is crack? Like, what is that? You know, like, you know, that it's C-R-A-I, what is it? C-R-A-I-C-I-A-C. Yeah. And um, yeah. I just love it. I think I love that they, and, and it's funny because when you, when we went there and you know, you see it, you hear it a lot, that a lot, like on, you know, that they use it a lot. When you actually live it, they actually don't say it that much. They okay. don't really use it that much. 
So I was like all geared up, ready to use it, you know? And then it's like, then again, one of those like, you know, humbling experiences, like, yeah, no, it's not what you see. You know, we actually don't use it. (laughs) I feel so betrayed by Dairy Girls. (laughs) I know, but I love the phrase. I think it's great. No, they probably do. I think Dairy Girls is more, I actually, I think that's a pretty authentic um, show based on what, yeah, I really do. It's really fun. Yeah, and the fun. way that she writes, um, she's a great writer. And the way that she writes the the dialogue and the girls at that age. And I mean, they are, they're walking. And again, that was Northern Ireland, but, um, but you know, um, in <clears throat> the Dublin area and things that we lived, I mean, they are, they're walking on those cute little school uniform skirts. And the t- I mean, it's very accurate. And <laughs> My my daughters love the accent and they love to sit, you know speak that way and I was yeah it's, it's a lot of fun to live there. Amazing, amazing. Yes, I had a great time visiting. I imagine living even even more enjoyable. Yeah, yeah, they're just very wonderful, lovely, warm people as well. So. <laughs> they really are. They, it's it, like very inviting. Mm-hmm. I I remember a, a man just telling this was in Cork in Ireland. He was just telling. Oh, Cork's lovely. Like Irish, yeah. Irish folk tales, and was just like, <laughs> you know, everyone gather around. Like we've got a, we've got a yarn to spin, and it was just, yeah, it was the yeah. And you're, so and you're, you're in. Like once you're in, like you can't get out of that discussion. So you're like, you have no. to be prepared to sit there for a few hours. Yes, I was like, we'll get some more, we'll get some more beers over here. We right, got, right. <laughs> we've yeah. got time. And then I, I worked with the, um, the gentleman that did my book cover and everything. He's Irish. He's in Cork as well. And so um, I was so excited to draw upon they were they were a big part of my uh creative kind of renaissance and things as well ireland is just amazing for that they're just just there's something in that terrain or water i don't know they're just full of this amazing creative energy it's a it just it's coming off the air in there it's amazing so yeah i miss it we moved we moved from ireland to korea so we've all, it just it's fresh for us we just were you know there before this this place so it's yeah we're still grieving that i think a little bit <laughs> yeah. well hopefully korea is still treating you well and... korea is super cool yeah. super cool it's just really big and you know populated and busy and techy and it's just a whole different speed than what ireland was i think that's our hardest part is that we're going from this really beautiful picturesque again charming lovely environment to not that it's not lovely it's just different it's skyscrapers and busy and you know high tech city and the whole thing so it just it's we're like whoa wait a minute (laughs) (laughs) where did we land here wow you know so but we'll get there we always do excellent yes continued luck and success and thank you for folks that want to get a copy of plus size in paris or learn more Mm -hmm. about you where can they find you so I have a website, Erin Sherkin, which is E-R-I-N-Z-H-U-R-K-I-N.com. Um, I'm on Instagram, Erin Sherkin writes. Uh, I'm on that site for my name is Twitter. I don't know what it is. <laughs> so at Erin Sherkin. Might be a new name uh, by the time this I know, I know, out, right? Yeah. I don't know. It's so true. I'm like, whatever. You know, um, yeah. Those are the, I mean, that's, and my book's available anywhere. You can get it on any site, anywhere you want. So it's any, you know, um, bookshop.org, um, Amazon, whatever. It's all there. I love it. Erin, thanks so much for taking the time to chat. This is great. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's nice to start talk to you. Likewise. Thanks. And of course, we have to end with a corny joke. As we always do, <laughs> why did Shakespeare only write in ink? Oh, that's a good one. I don't know. When it came to pencils, he always had to ask to be or not to be. Oh, my gosh. Get after it today, people. <laughs>
that's a good one. Good. I love it. Good People, Cool Things is produced in Austin, Texas. If you were a fan of this episode, go ahead and hit that follow button. That helps more people hear the show. You can send me a message, joey at goodpeoplecoolthings.com. Thank you to all of the guests who have been on Good People, Cool Things. You can check out all the old episodes via goodpeoplecoolthings.com. As always, thank you for listening and have a wonderful day. Woo!